Our second scripture reading taken from Matthew's Gospel. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the desert of Judea, announcing, change your hearts and lives. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. He was the one of whom Isaiah the prophet spoke when he said, the voice of one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And people from Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and all around the Jordan River came to him. And as they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Many Pharisees and Sadducees came to be baptized by John. And he said to them, you children of snakes, who warned you to escape from the angry judgment that is coming soon? Produce fruit that shows you have changed your hearts and lives. And don't even think about saying to yourselves, Abraham is our father. I tell you that God is able to raise up Abraham's children from these very stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be chopped down and tossed into the fire. I baptize with water those of you who have changed your hearts and lives The one who is coming after me is stronger than I am. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The shovel he uses to sift the wheat from the husks is in his hands. He will clean out his threshing area and bring the wheat into his barn, but he will burn the husks with a fire that can't be put out. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, so I'm just going to admit it in front of all of you. I absolutely love going to the mall this time of year. Now wait, before you judge me, hear me out for just a minute. You see, I know it's crowded. I know it's over-commercialized. I know that what's going on there in that mall has very little, if anything, to do with the birth of Jesus Christ. I know all of that, but I love it just the same. I love the lights. I love the decorations. I love the sales and the children, especially the children. This week, I slipped away to Barton Creek Mall in the middle of the afternoon for about an hour. My plan was to sit at Starbucks and catch up on my reading, and it it was a pretty good plan, except about 30 minutes into the plan, I put away my reading to just pretty much watch the action. Because if you've been to Starbucks at Barton Creek Mall, you know that it sits right across from Santa's village, right? And from my table, I had a front row seat to the best show in the mall. I watched the little ones line up to meet and talk to the big guy. And I watched their parents, their guardians, the elves and the photographers talk on their phones, argue with one another, yawn, and generally completely ignore the children. It was, it was fascinating. And I came to realize that in Santa's village, there are really two kinds of people. 
right? There are those who come with excitement and a bit of healthy fear, expecting to meet someone really special, someone who can change things, someone who can make life better. And then there are people, people like me, who are really only in Santa's village to watch the show. It's not unlike that day in the Judean wilderness by the Jordan River, the day we just read about in Matthew's gospel. On that day, John the Baptist preached and baptized, and there were two kinds of people there listening and participating. Some went with open hearts. They heard John's message, and they changed their lives. Others, well, others simply went to see what John was up to and to see the show. And let's be clear, it was quite a show. Theologian Tom Long says it this way, it's as if John stepped out of a retirement home for old prophets. There he is, in all his glory, camel hair, shirt, leather, pants, eating honey and locust. He is the spitting image of the Old Testament prophet Elijah. It's like Elijah has reappeared now in the Judean wilderness after all these years. Elijah, why just the thought of such a prophet speaking into their time and into their lives really caused a stir among the people. So they came from everywhere just to catch this sight. Now, Scripture tells us that John's message was simple. It was uncompromising. It was very clear. Change your hearts, he said. Change your lives, he said. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. Change your hearts and your lives because God's reign comes close, very close. I'm preparing the way, said John, and you don't want to miss this. So change your heart and life now and get ready. It wasn't a very long sermon, was it? No stories, no quotes, no poems. But all four Gospels bear witness to its effectiveness because scores of people waded into the river to be baptized to mark their change of heart and their change of life. Crowds of folks from Jerusalem and the Judean countryside immersed themselves in the Jordan River as a sign that they were now open to God's reign, to God's coming kingdom. It must have been quite a sight. But as John the Baptist looked out on the crowd, he recognized the truth. The truth. The truth that there were two kinds of people standing on the banks of the Jordan that day. There were those with open hearts, ready to be changed and to welcome God's reign, and there were those who simply wanted to watch the show. Those who would turn their lives around and make room for God's kingdom. And those who were so satisfied, so knowledgeable, so sure of themselves that this exercise on the Jordan River was just a spectacle. And so John turns his attention to this second group. You, he said, you children of snakes. Now, that's prophetic language for you who believe unholy lies, the snake, the father of lies. How can you just sit on the sidelines and watch this like a show? 
How can you be so content, he says, in your beliefs and your practices, so cocky in your understanding? Do you really think descending from Abraham saves you? That it keeps you from having to change your heart or your life? Do you honestly think that you are ready for God's reign, for God's kingdom to come in. You are not ready. And now John is practically screaming at them. Get yourselves ready, he says, because the ax is at the root of every unfruitful tree. The harvest is already on the threshing floor, and that fire, that fire is already burning, waiting to consume worthless husks. Change your heart. Change your life. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. Yikes. It's not really a very feel-good yuletide tale, is it? Why then? Why? Why do the majority of Christians in the world read this passage on the second Sunday of Advent? Not the scripture that speaks of angels and sweet dreams, Not the scripture of faithful Joseph and brave young Mary, but this passage, this story of a crazy lunatic out in the wilderness shouting and making people uncomfortable and ashamed. Why this story? Well, there's just one answer to that question, my friends. The answer is we need John the Baptist during this Advent season. We need him more than ever. To put it quite simply, we need him because in his own critical way, he points the way to Jesus. He did so back then in the wilderness, and he still points the way to Jesus today. John the Baptist points to Jesus saying, Jesus isn't just the reason for the season. He is the center of our lives. John the Baptist points to Jesus saying he's not just a precious seven-pound child of love. No, he is the ruler of the world. John the Baptist points to Jesus saying he's not just a little Lord asleep on the hay. No, he is the Lord of power and judgment, the Lord that demands something of each of us and demand something of the church, the Lord that transforms lives so the world may be transformed. Yes, we need John the Baptist, and we need his sermon to remind us that the incarnation of God in Christ, the Word becoming flesh in Jesus to dwell among us, it presents us with a choice. It always has and it always will. You see, we're no different from those on the Jordan banks so long ago. The kingdom of heaven, it comes near. It's ready to break out everywhere that God's mercy and grace leaks through believers into this hurting world. But we must be ready to receive it. We must be ready to share it. We have to be open and allow our hearts, our lives to be changed, really changed by God's power. So what will it be? What kind of people will we be? Will we be people, a church, open to God's rule that leaks grace and mercy, that brings the kingdom close to others? 
Or will we be people who sit on the sideline and watch the show? Oh, there are plenty, there are plenty of folks like that. There are lots of people who believe the lie, the lie that they are self-sufficient, that because of their status or position, their education or their understanding, that they can save themselves and judge others. The world is full of such. But the world needs changed hearts. The world needs changed lives, people like us, communities like this, ready to receive and share the reign of God, God's priorities, God's plans, God's justice. And we're called to choose, to get off the sidelines observing the show of love, joy, hope, and peace this Christmas, and to actually open our hearts and our lives to God's control. So the strangest thing happened as I continued my people watching at Santa's Village at Barton Creek Mall this week. As I sat on the sideline and watched the show, in the middle of the mayhem and the crass commercialism, the bright colors and all the sounds of, this, of that scene, all of a sudden two little girls showed up to see Santa. They couldn't have been more than five or six years old. They seemed to be best friends, holding hands and talking excitingly to each other. They were of different races, but they wore matching parochial school uniforms, and I found them adorable. While their caregiver never once looked up from her phone as they stood in line and spoke to Santa, I enjoyed watching them. As they exited Santa's village, their caregiver was too engrossed in a phone conversation to even notice that they were leaving. There they stood, left to their own devices, two little ones from very different backgrounds holding hands and dancing a bit. How precious, I thought, as I began to gather my things to leave. And then I heard it, a song a song that I haven't heard in years. They were singing, singing together at the top of their lungs to no one in particular, a 19th century German Christmas carol. O come, little children, O come, one and all, O come to the manger in Bethlehem's stall with Mary and Joseph and angels above. Come worship the Christ child the gift of God's love. Oh, come, little children. Yes, they sang every verse. Oh, come, little children. Oh, come, join and sing. Lift up every voice, offering praise to our King. Sing glory to God and sing peace to the earth. Rejoice on this day at our Lord Jesus' birth. I looked around the mall. Was anyone else seeing this? Was anyone else hearing this? These precious children, so very different, yet so very alike, without a care in the world, with no hint of self-consciousness, declaring Christ's nearness, declaring God's reign, declaring the demand of this Christ child on our lives, even the lives of little children. I scoured the scene. No elf, 
No photographer, no parent, no shopper even looked up. God's kingdom, so very close, so very visible, so tangible, and no one, no one stopped to receive it. No one seemed ready to let it in. Friends, these Advent days, they're a precious gift. Sure, there's fun and sentiment and festivity, but let me invite you to something more. Let me invite you to get ready. Because as we celebrate our Savior's birth, we also celebrate God's kingdom coming close. We celebrate the way God moves, even into the tightest corner of a human heart. Even your heart, my heart. So make the choice. Don't sit on the sideline and watch God's show of love and mercy again this year. Here comes the kingdom of heaven, God's word made flesh, so close, <laughs> so very close. Open your heart and let God continue to change you. Open your soul and let God transform your life. In your bulletin, um, there is a box. It is a big box. I didn't know it was going to be so big. And in that box is a picture. It is a door almost about to open, bursting to open. I invite you to take a few minutes now, and I want you to look at that tiny door opening on your printed bulletin, and I want you to listen. Listen. Really listen to the ancient prophet's message. You can use a pencil or pen or not. But think about the message of John the Baptist. What needs to change in your heart, in your life? Where is God directing you to move? And maybe, and perhaps most importantly, what part of your life needs to be placed under God's dominion. Take the time now. Take the time. Stop watching the show. And let Christ's reign begin, even in you.